G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. A conversation I will invite you to join into. You might have your own story to tell around some of the dire predictions that we'll unpack today. Uh, One of those dire predictions, interest rate rises. They're predicted to push more than one in every four Australians into financial distress. Christians Against Poverty is calling on the Christian church community to consider becoming money mentors to meet the growing demand. For over 20 years, Christians Against Poverty has partnered with the local church to transform Aussie lives. And with the skyrocketing cost of living and the advent of living in financial distress, there's a need for thousands of church-based money mentors to meet the growing demand. Christians Against Poverty trains volunteers to work alongside people and ex- who are experiencing financial distress. Rosie Kendall is CEO of Christians Against Poverty. Rosie, a special welcome back to 2020. Hello, Neil. Thank you for having me. Rosie, uh, let's talk cost of living as we get our conversation yeah. underway. Uh, things are rising. Uh, there's very rarely a set of headlines that don't have something about the rising cost of living. This is something that you're obviously bombarded by because people are wanting help. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I imagine and most people listening would be able to even personally um, look at their own financial situations and know that the cost of living has increased. There's not any of us, I don't think, that has noticed that grocery shopping or when we're putting fuel in the car, um, our mortgage payments going up um, or rent going up. And there's a lot of pressure on people. And I think that um, right now we're, we're wanting to, um, more than anything, start the conversation to say, okay, well, we don't like talking about money much. And um, actually, how can we talk um, and, and um, share or kind of proactively talk about this issue of the cost of living and how it's affecting us um, and probably Probably then, how is it affecting um, people that were already struggling, or people that were maybe, um, yeah, kind of at, um, in the potential to to be struggling, that really are being pushed and um, further further um, into financial distress than they were previously because of the cost of living. Uh, Rosie, give us some insight here for listeners who are not mm-hmm. so familiar with Christians Against Poverty, CAP CAP. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us an insight here into where you're based and how far you reach around Australia. Yeah, so we're a national um, organisation that is here to strengthen and equip the church. Um, we're actually based in Newcastle, New South Wales. That's where our head office is. Um, but as I said, we're national. We partner with churches across all seven states. And we're positioned to um, equip the church with 
practical tools and solutions to help people um, or help um, Christians walk alongside people that are in financial distress. And so, um, yeah, we um, we exist for the church and for the purposes of seeing the church um, being um, effective and um, being um, good news to their community. And the reason for our conversation today, Rosie, the phone has been running hot. You are actually Mm -hmm. receiving more calls than you're able to respond to. That's right, yeah. So at the moment um, we've got um, yeah more and more people reaching out for help and um, and ultimately at the moment not enough um, church partnerships and not enough um, trained money mentors to be able to meet that need. And so, I mean, for um, most of us, we may know someone that's, that's struggling. Um, often we don't know whether our, you know, our neighbour or someone in our street is struggling. You shared earlier about the statistics of of one in four Australians are currently um, certainly at risk of being in um, financial distress and the stats would tell us that one in ten are living in acute financial distress so they're actually in that crisis point and um, that means that people are not sure where to go for help and I think um, across all sectors in the financial hardship um, the the kind of um, the need out, outweighs the um, resources to help people and yet we've got a church that's full of love, full of compassion and is well placed nationally um, to help people that are in financial distress and and therefore we're wanting to partner with more churches so that we can train more money mentors to be able to help people that currently are facing financial distress on their own and we know again from um, research but also kind of from the story and from the transformation that we've seen, that one of the, the most critical factors, you might think that um, a critical factor for someone that's in financial distress, they need more money. Well, in actual fact, um, being in community and having relationship is one of the most critical things for someone that's in financial distress, to have um, a safety net, to have someone that's going to invite them to dinner, to have someone that will share the load of that financial crisis is often the thing that brings um, kind of hope and change into someone situation so while we might think we can't do much and um, actually um, we can transform a situation by by just being a friend we'll unpack that some more but what we're talking about today is a rallying of the troops a rallying mm. of the churches that says we're into a deepening financial problem the crisis is mm. getting worse in australia and there's real opportunity here for the church to be a support for people more broadly across the community, but undoubtedly there'll be people already who are a part of churches who are going to experience this financial distress. When you say mm. this is where we are at present, the very present time uh, way that you can uh, say that the situation is uh, is all, already deep, one in ten facing acute financial distress – and then heading for the one in four, because, hey, here we are, it's the 22nd of August, and uh, it won't be in a week and a bit, and uh, we'll be having another interest rate rise, and that puts all the more pressure on. So the pressure is continuing to mount. The pressure's getting tougher and tougher. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And and so I think that we know that... At the moment, I mean, you you said this earlier that we've got people um, reaching out for help, but we also know that there are going to be more and more people reaching out for help. And while um, there are um, services out there that 
um, you know, kind of within the community that aren't church-based, they're in the financial hardship sector and doing a wonderful job, there is a huge opportunity and, and gap between a lot of those services in this relational space of um, supporting people, walking alongside people to help them access those services, but also offer support and on the ground walking alongside someone and um, to look at their financial situation, have a conversation around their financial situation, set some goals together towards um, accessing other services but also um, putting a budget together and actually moving towards financial well-being and we know that while people are reaching out for help now that as you said um, you know cost of living is only going in one direction and um, we know that um, people's income isn't going in the the same direction and so people are going to continue to feel that pressure and people that are maybe starting to feel that pressure. Hey Rosie, is there a difference between just being under financial stress and mm-hmm. being in financial distress? Uh, is there something here that you can identify what happens when you go from just being stressed to actually being in distress? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're strong, strongly linked and I think that ultimately we can, um, we can be in financial stress that might feel like oh I'm not sure how I'm going to pay that bill tomorrow and then we so we feel very stressed about the situation but actually we wake up tomorrow and we realize that we've maybe not been paid and we've got some money and we we rectify we you know we rectify that and so stress can be quite um temporary in nature when we talk about distress actually it's kind of stress on top of stress on top of stress and so it's actually that prolonged feeling of um, hopelessness towards our financial situation and so and it can be caused by by lots of things that's the reality of financial distress is that you know it might be a bill that we know that we can't afford it might be a housing situation in which we know our mortgage payment is going to go up and we're not going to be able to afford it or if we do afford it we're not going to be able to put food on the table and going to have to make impossible choices between those things or it might be that we know our rent is going to increase or maybe we've just been given um, notice that we've got to leave a tenancy and find a new co- a new accommodation and housing is another huge stressor at the moment for people um, as well as the cost of living is the de- is the, the lack of housing and that's kind of driving prices prices up and really acutely for people that are um, in rental situations and so that kind of um, financial distress is is that feeling of um, of overwhelm with financial situation that um, is 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 prolonged and obviously there's varying degrees of that in that you know you can be in financial distress um, that is um, is really significant to a, to a point of not sleeping and even someone contemplating suicide or you could be in financial distress and yes it's affecting you it might be affecting your sleep so um, but but it's not maybe at that stage where it's completely overwhelming and so there is a kind of you know scale of what that looks like but certainly when we're talking about financial distress and that acute financial distress that you mentioned before about one in ten we're talking about someone that is is feeling that on a daily basis and it's affecting kind of all aspects of, of their current situation. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316 and you might have your own thoughts even on how bad the situation could get so far as that sort of distress that can come on you. 
uh, because of financial issues. Rosie Kendall is our guest. She's CEO of Christians Against Poverty. Rosie, just staying with just how bad things can get, uh, I know it was breathtaking when my power bill arrived the other day. And I know that there are an awful lot of Aussies who are getting those power bills and uh, that it is a breathtaking experience to uh, anticipate having to pay that high level. Energy costs are on the increase and, of course, as interest rates rise, mortgage payments increase. How bad do you think things can get uh, for some? What are you sort of anticipating? Is there something behind the scenes that you're talking about with your team leaders that says, wow, this looks worse than what even the media seems to be reporting? Yeah, I mean, the reality is we don't know exactly what's going to happen. And so what we are passionate about and talking about, um, you know, kind of what are we talking about is um, how do we effectively strengthen and equip the church to be ready for whatever comes and whatever happens. I think one of the interesting things um, when we talk about our own faith is um, that when things look like they're moving in a certain direction as they as they do, sometimes as Christians we can feel fearful for our own financial situations. And yet I think that um, we, we read in the Bible and we know that actually um, God asks us um, and calls us and invites us into not worrying about our own financial situations, but he does call us into... Um, having compassion and to um, into um, relationship and community with one another that actually even in times where things um, are difficult and um, you know I think that we are heading into a time um, where things financially for most people are going to be tighter than they have previously that there is always hope that there is always joy in the midst of those very difficult situations but we are called to do those situations together and in community and so um, yeah I I think that the main conversation that we're having um, is how do we strengthen and equip the church for this moment in time for this next two three four years however long it's going to be if it's being tighter how do we both encourage people that there is joy in the midst of challenging situations but also that actually as Christians we are called to live a life that is and sharing our possessions and to live a life of compassion and community and restoration with one another and how do we do that in a way that um, isn't um, paternalistic or isn't um, in a way that kind of well we've got the answers and you haven't how do we how do we work this out as a community and um, in the way that I think God would intend us to through a time and um, that's going to be difficult. Rosie, right now some might be thinking, well, this is a time of very low unemployment. I think it's 3.4%, the latest figures. Uh, Lots of people have jobs. And there's a question here, is having a job enough to survive the sort of distress that we might be heading towards? Any thoughts here? Well, I certainly think that on on that point, we already know that having a job isn't enough. So it's not um, just just having um, a job that will kind of um, see you um, prevented from financial distress. Certainly the stats that we were talking about earlier of one in four Australians at risk um, of being in financial distress and one in 10 would indicate that there are people out there that have jobs that are currently um, already in financial distress. And I would say that that largely is because of 
and people that are underemployed, so they may have a job, but they're not got enough hours or enough um, kind of regular income coming in that's actually meeting their financial needs. And I think that's probably the story that we're going to continue to see, um, that people may may have a job, um, but that job isn't paying either well enough or giving them well and kind of regular enough hours to to meet the demands of their, their budget um, and their expenses. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that um, looking at unemployment is a helpful, you know, there is, a, there is um, some helpful indicator in that, but at the moment, as you say, it is really low, but we also know that um, yeah, there are more people struggling than, than ever before. And so while there's a link there, actually, um, we know that there's a huge problem um, with people that do have jobs, but they're still really struggling. Uh, there's headlines in the media today, demands for, uh, you know, opening the floodgates uh, for a foreign workforce. Mm-hmm. So the thought that there might not be enough jobs, uh, that's uh, that's something that we can certainly, in fact, uh, perhaps celebrate, that there is lots of jobs and there is a need for more workers. But uh, bringing in a, a whole lot of uh, foreign workers uh, and some fearing a new low-class uh, skilled workers uh, class, a- any thoughts there? because uh, there's a certain issue there that gets created. Is there any sort of uh, cap uh, focus on any of that sort of thing? I mean, not specifically. I think, again, our our focus is ensuring that the church is ready to deal with um, any any situation that, that may happen and may arise. And so, to be honest, um, you know, I'm not an expert on, on whether we should be opening um, for um, foreign employment or whether we should be making sure that we're ensuring that um, Australians have got increased um, work and kind of there's pros and cons to both of those things. And I know that there are different arguments either way and so from our perspective we just want to make sure and ensure that the church is ready and equipped to help anyone that might be in financial distress and ensure that um, I mean essentially in situ our church our churches are based in in the community and ready to serve people. And so, therefore, um, it's important that CAP can partner with churches that are already in those communities, that know their communities, that know what's best for their communities and can, um, can be a positive um, place um, for people to find hope and restoration. Well, you might have your own thought or two to add to our conversation today. 1-800-316-316 to join in. Let's take a call. Jody is in Ballina in New South Wales. Hi, Jody. Hi, how you going? Good, Jody. What are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are um, that we have a lot of um, work around at the moment, yes. Uh, we've had a lot of floods up around here, so there's a lot of work where people are trying to rebuild things, you know, out there and fixing everything. But it doesn't make much difference whether you've got work or not at the moment because of the housing crisis. Mm. Uh, I've got people that are um, working, trying to find a home and can't. And they're living Mm. on the streets, they're living in their cars. And I don't think sometimes in the church that we understand that grassroots of what is actually happening out there. Some people, you know, live in their little bubble and and don't see those that are underprivileged or, you know, struggling or whatever and how to help them. 
you know, if we sort of went out to some of the places where these people are, we might have more of an idea by talking with them and getting to know them what their needs are. Jody, good thoughts there. Uh, Rosie, what are your thoughts and a response for Jody here? Because, uh, yes, there's a cost of living crisis. It's having somewhere to live that's pushing some people to the limit and living in their cars or living in a tent, uh, those sorts of things, even if you've got a job. If you've got nowhere to live, that's the way you're moving. Uh, thoughts here for Jody? Well, I certainly think Jody's spot on. I think that um, the housing crisis and lack of housing, um, which obviously are intrinsically linked, is um, yeah, a real factor for people and is causing people and pushing people into homelessness. And I think that um, it's an interesting thing to think about, about what the church's response should be to that. And I agree. I think that it's easy sometimes for us to go to church on a Sunday and to um, yeah, have, have church community, but to not always see those needs within um, our community. And that's, you know, kind of part of us. And thank you, Jody, for, for being here and being part of the conversation is to have a conversation around, well, what is... What should our Christian response to that be? How as a Christian in this time and place do I live a life um, that, that reflects my relationship with Jesus and the life that he's had? How do I um, find out about the needs within my community? How do I move towards helping someone um, that maybe is being forced into homelessness because they can't find a rental? Kind of what what is it that, that we can do, do to help? I think as Christians we don't always have an easy answer for that but it is something we should be grappling with. It is something that we should be um, trying to work out which I think um, Jody's encouraging us to so thank you. Jody, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Of course, uh, it's not just a conversation that we're having today. Uh, Rosie, you're calling on Christian believers in churches all over Australia to be a part of a solution here. You'd like to see another 10,000 people who could be money mentors. Uh, So for people to connect with, uh, with Christians Against Poverty, they can do that today. Yeah, they can um, get onto our website um, and find out some more information. They can um, reach out to us um, and we can talk to them about how we can equip them and their church and um, for people specifically for them to become a money mentor. Yeah, they can um, go to our website, which is capost, C-A-P-A-U-S-T, org. Okay, let's take one more quick call before news. Bernadette is in Kingston in South Australia. Hi, Bernadette. Need to be quick. What are your thoughts? Hi, Neil. Hi, Neil. Quickly, yes, I'm just saying that our bishop gave up his house. So through, it's through AC Care. It's all through the church. So the homeless people who didn't have anywhere to live have got somewhere to live now. And we've also taken someone else who was on the streets who, who had a mental health issue. And now that person has got a house, her own house. Um, and so yeah, we're just doing what we can to help people that are homeless in that little town, even though we're a small community. Yeah. Bernadette, honour to you and the people in your church, in your community. In one sense here, Rosie, and uh, a very quick response, uh, you're not actually calling people, there's crisis uh, needs to be met, and some churches will rise to that, but this idea of mentoring, it's about getting people back on track. Just a quick response for Bernadette. 
Yeah, well, wonderful to hear that, Bernadette. And I think that that's exactly the strength of the church and why we're wanting to train people um, to effectively do those kind of things that feel like they've got the confidence to, to, to walk alongside people in difficult situations. And yeah, I mean, wonderful example of how the church can really help people at this time. Rosie, let's take another call. Fran is in Bunbury, WA. Hi, Fran. Welcome. Good morning, how are you? Good friend. What are your thoughts for our conversation? Um, just, I've been in this position before. I've been homeless before. I'm in the lower socioeconomic group, so um, I've had to use services before. And um, there are places out there where you can go and get a food voucher and that, but quite often they've got, you can't apply again for six months or whatever. And I, was, I go to church and I consider all the churches, especially in the regional areas, have... have um, resources like they have room they have halls they have kitchens they have bathrooms and maybe it's time for people to not just be hearers of the word but doers of the word you know to to help those people that are actually homeless um i remember going to community dinners at the church um and it just makes you feel far less alone but there's lots of space why can't the churches open up their halls and that so the homeless people can actually stay there you know it's 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 far it's so isolating to live in your car or or to have to sleep outside in the cold you know at least there you know this is a chance for the church to actually offer practical love Fran, I suspect there's some hearing your heartbeat right now about how a church ought to respond when there is a time of crisis. Uh, Rosie, your thoughts for Fran? Well, I think Fran's absolutely right. One of the things that it feels like, Fran, you've you've shared with us beautifully is how um, how lonely it can be when you are feeling um, like you know you've been for um, a food voucher and you've received um, a package, but then you can't go back. But actually, your situation's not changed. There's lots of crisis support out there, but there's actually not many institutions that are set up for long-term walking alongside people. And we know, and um, research would tell us that transformation and change comes when we're able to do the, the 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 long walk with someone not the short the short walk and and the church is strategically placed it is placed um in communities it has resources we have you know full full of people with compassion and love for people and so i agree i think that now is the time for us to be asking well how can we respond um as the church and i hope that cap can be part of giving the church confidence to do that sometimes it can be really difficult to know well how do we go about setting something up or how do we go about making sure that that people aren't going to um um, not have the skills that they need um, to help people and so um, yeah that's what CAP is here for to help churches grapple with that very important question Fran but I think um, yeah I love hearing your heart for, for how churches um, could be responding um, in this moment I think it's going to be really really important um, and actually outside of the church and um, most people that aren't attending church it's the it's the thing that they would love for the church and um, to see the church do is to have um, a kind of practical outworking of their faith and to see them in action and loving and caring for the poor and I think that this in this moment over and um, the next few months next few years this will be a really important time for the church to show that practical love to people. Fran while we've got you here uh, you mentioned that you were uh, at one stage homeless and you can see there's all sorts of opportunities <laughs> all right a few times mm. now you you also said you're a part of a local church 
church. Is there someone in your local church that you'd look to as a financial mentor, as someone who's a money mentor that we're talking about today? Have you had that sort of no. comfort? No, no you, you haven't. So No. No. Right. Well, uh, um, Rosie, they're not advertised very much. The the pastoral care is. I think churches could be doing a lot better. You know, it's not hard to go out on the street, and actually, you know, you see the people out there, and that's all they want. They want to be seen. They want to know that someone cares. It's not hard to say, you know, come and have a meal, come and have a shower. You can, you can, you know, put your swag down in the hall for a few nights, and and that's all they want. They want people to. To, to validate them and make sure that they've been seen, you know. It's, no good uh, it's interesting, though, isn't it, that pastoral care is a little bit different, no doubt, than what being a money mentor is. And uh, a lot of churches do lots of wonderful work in pastoral care. And, yes, it happens actually undercover, behind the scenes. Uh, not everybody's business is everyone else's business. So pastoral care is one of those things that goes on behind the scenes in churches. But the money mentor, it's interesting, as you say, Fran, uh, there's not been someone in your church who can be that money mentor. This is what we're talking about. About today, if you have someone who's identified in your church who can be a money mentor, someone who's gone through a short training program uh, and with some financial wisdom to be able to be that point person that might be the one who helps to alleviate some of that distress. Uh, so, Rosie, uh, this is the sort of church that needs a money mentor, isn't it? Absolutely. And, um, you know, the heart and the, the vision is to see someone like Fran who's current, you know, kind of had previous experience of homelessness for her to be able to walk into a church and know that there is someone that she can talk to about that situation. And as Fran has again beautifully talked about, actually it's often the fact that you feel unseen or unheard or um, alone in that situation that can be one of the biggest transformations for people to know that they have someone that they can talk to about their situation, someone that they can unpack how they got there, where they need to go, what are their goals, how can we put a budget together, how can we um, step towards financial well-being over you know, a period of time, not an instant um, kind of, oh here's a meal and off you go, actually pulling people into relationship and mentoring people through the complexities of people's financial situation. Um, and that can be overwhelming when you don't have the training, you know, kind of finances are complex and um, knowing how to help people. You certainly don't want to be causing people more harm by trying to help, you know, I kind of, I think churches are known sometimes for having the best of intentions, but not a really knowing or having the skills to, to help people. And so CAP is here to give churches the confidence and competence to effectively walk alongside people, just like Fana, she's um, articulated previous times has been um, either at risk of or, or or in situations of homelessness to actually have church members that feel confident to help in those situations and offer offer the support that's very much needed. Fran in Bunbury is such a valuable contribution. Thank you so much for calling in, Fran. Really, really appreciate you. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Stephen is in the Grampians in Victoria. Hi, Stephen. Oh, yeah, great. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with the last um, caller. That that was really good. You know, like the need for uh, the church as a community to pull together because uh, cause I... You know, I was raised in a family where they didn't teach us about money. Money was always a problem. Uh, it was a hassle. And I never learned how to actually save money. And mm. so you feel guilty. So you feel guilty for actually having money, so you spend it. And it's a vicious cycle. So, you know, 
to have those mentors to encourage churches to have mentors uh, to actually guide people and uh, you know, pull together. Uh, like, you become like the people you hang around, really. Stephen, mm. you're making a fabulous point here. Uh, Rosie, your thoughts for Stephen? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree, Stephen. I think that having someone to have that conversation with, and you're right, generational, um, kind of what we get passed on from, from um, our parents or from the people that we lived with um, is a big influence on how we deal and manage our own money. And so having someone within the church to have a conversation with around money, how do we have a healthy relationship with this thing that is 100% necessary in society but also has this potential for destruction and potential for pain when we don't have enough of it um, and yet can be this beautiful thing when we know that um, we can give away generously and that we can um, use it for good and for pleasure and, you know, there's this, um, yeah, so it's a complex thing and so having a mentor to work through those things with, specifically in the church, around money and certainly from our experience can be transformational for, for both people within the church but those outside of the church that need it too. Stephen in the Grampians, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's talk about the money mentor because I know there'll be lots of listeners who will be thinking maybe I could be a money mentor in my local church and maybe there's some planets have to align to actually make that happen between our church leadership and what sort of things we officially do as a church. <coughs> there's all sorts of things that, that go on uh, to make things happen. But let me ask you, Rosie, what sort of person makes a good money mentor? Well, the main thing is um, someone with a with a heart to connect and to support people to to walk alongside someone and be um, I suppose have the, the the heart of compassion and love for someone else to be prepared to to walk alongside them. You know, they're not going to just meet with them once. They're hopefully going to meet with them over a series of of weeks and sessions. And and that can be done in a one to one setting. It can also be done in a group setting. So we could train someone to be a money mentor, and actually they've got a real heart for doing something um you know in a in a group setting and um, rather than just always being um one to one and um i mean in terms of their their skills really it's the ability to listen and the ability to help empower other people to and um, talk about their situation and to um be able to make the decisions that often they need to to make so it's not someone that knows all the answers but it's someone that is willing to to listen and to to help empower and um, one of our stories recently and um, one of our money mentors um one um she was um, um mentoring someone who um had some complex um um debts and um, financial situation and just actually the ability to call her electricity company was overwhelming it was too much but actually the money mentor just sat beside her while she did that and so the money mentor didn't didn't need to do that and didn't really need many skills to do that but sat beside um, and gave the confidence to this participant and um, to be able to make that call themselves and so I think there's a belief in people and there's an encouragement and um, that that's needed um, in a money mentor to be able to see that people um, actually you know can overcome their situation and sometimes one of the biggest gifts that we can give to someone is to say you can do this together we can do it and um, but I'm going to stand in the gap with you I'm going to stand alongside you I'm going to be there in 
those moments that are difficult, when you're having to make a difficult, tough decision, I'm going to be there for you. And so maybe that's the, the biggest skill that someone needs is to the ability to, to support and to encourage and to walk alongside someone. Now, I notice on your website, Rosie, you've got what's called a financial well-being scale, and it really gives the user an opportunity to see where they might be in a state of financial well-being, and if things are going to get tougher just down the track, how well-equipped are they going to be to be able to handle whatever comes upon them? Uh, Give us an insight here into your financial well-being scale, because listeners could do that today. Absolutely. So, I mean, one of the things that we're encouraging is for people to just have a a more healthy relationship with talking about money. And one of the ways that we can do that, as you've just said, on our website, and there's an ability to, there's some questions on there, and that gives you kind of a score um, from 1 to 100 um, of where you're currently sitting with your financial well-being. And the interesting thing is, I think that when we think about financial well-being, often we think, well, how much money do I have? Do I have enough money to do what I need to do? But this scale looks at things more holistically than that. And actually, our financial well-being is made up of lots of things. Yes, it's made up of um, our income and our expenditures, expenditure, but it's also um, kind of how we feel towards our money. Actually, how how what, what's my relationship with my money like and what kind of safety nets do I have around me um, as well? And, um, yeah, so it asks um, various different questions and hopefully just um, gives people um, an indicator of where their financial well-being is so that actually it might be, do you know what, this is, um, I want to be, um, I want to improve my financial well-being. Can I um, get in touch with a money mentor um, and seek help? Um, or actually, am I someone that could use these skills and, and things to have conversations with others and become a money mentor myself? Well, I might say I did the financial well-being score the other day and I scored 70. Now, I'm well thinking that 70 is probably reasonably good, but there's certainly a few uh, uh, vulnerabilities that are room identified. But yes, the room for improvement. So what you send to the person who goes through that financial well-being score is a little uh, profile overview of where you think they're at and uh, whether you think they need to work on some particular areas. So before you get into a distress situation, uh, good to have some sort of an insight like that. So it actually provides people uh, something with a score, and you know, the score out of 100 actually gives us a little bit of an impression about where we are on that with our well-being. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as as I said before, it doesn't ask you how much you earn. You know, there's not a kind of, um, actually, that's not a, not a great indicator. Um, often, there's, um, we need enough to live, but it's more, the, one of the questions, for example, is can I enjoy um, life because of the way I'm managing money? You know, is, is my money um, causing me stress for some reason? Or actually, am I able to handle my money in a way that is seeing me flourish? Um, and that's a really important question for us to be asking because I think there's lots of opportunity for, for all of us to see our money as a way for us to continue to flourish um, rather than this thing that we, we often get very stressed about, especially um, when, when we've been talking today about people that are on that other end of 
financial distress when they've not got enough money. Um, but I also think there's lots of people out there that maybe have a lot of money but aren't enjoying it. I have caller that just, um, you know, talked about the fact that, you know, kind of feeling guilty about having money and therefore spending it. There's lots of unhealthy relationships that we all have with money in different areas of our lives. And um, and therefore, I think the real um, spiritual freedom, us being able to, to talk about that with one another, but also take that, that wisdom and thinking and relationship into the community is also important. Now, the sorts of people in a local church that might be ideal to do this uh, little confidence building course, and uh, you can let us know how long it takes to do, because sometimes mm-hmm. people are, are time uh, sensitive on these yeah. things as well. But but you're not just looking for a few, you're looking for thousands, because the anticipated need is going to be significant, thousands of uh, church-based people. So whether they're already staff of the local church or they're volunteers, mm-hmm. they're on a pastor care team uh, ready to be trained to start some conversations with people who are uh, going through some distressed time uh, what sort of time commitment is there in actually becoming you know, in that sense qualified to be one of your money mentors yeah Neil I mean you make a good point I'll, tell, I'll answer that question um, in a second but um, in terms of a money mentor you're right that might be someone that's already working in pastoral care, pastoral care it might be someone that's you know volunteering in an op shop or it may be someone that's currently not really doing much within within church but ultimately we're wanting to put these skills of being a money mentor in, in kind of situ, in places um, where people we know and um, people that are in financial stress distress are already interacting um, with, with churches. And so there are so many people that could um, do this training. And so the training is online and that makes it hopefully accessible to people so they're not needing to go to a specific venue. Um, we are currently doing that kind of at regular intervals so it's not something that you could go on the website and start training today. I think the next time that we're doing um, a, a round of training is in, is in October and that training takes um, 15 hours in total but it's self kind of paced so you can um, work that through um, and as part of that training we have um, three what we call live online sessions so that you get an ability to meet with other people that are training to be a money mentor um, at a kind of set designated time to talk about your learning and to share experience. One of the things that um, is really powerful about becoming a money mentor is that you actually build relationships with other people across the nation that are money mentors and share your experiences with one another and hopefully that means that we're all learning all the time from one another other in terms of what's what's helping people and what's working in this space and so that kind of comes through as part of the training too but um, to answer your question simply it'll take around 15 hours of self-directed um, kind of interaction on a portal and it's online so there's interactive sessions of listening to videos, there's um, kind of boards that you interact with um, but 15, 15 hours is, is what it takes. You could do it on your own, but no doubt if you're doing that course with a friend so that you can support Mm. one another through to getting to a point where you are a money mentor and then you can work together in church life. I mean, you can do it with a friend, but could you do that entirely with a, you know, if there could be a whole small group of people doing the course together? Yeah, absolutely. They could could do that. Yeah, that would be, um, that would be great. And how you multiply effectiveness here because one money mentor can support a number of people. I mean, I guess it comes down to how busy do you want to be because if there Mm -hmm. is a financial crisis that really does kick in 
and uh, there is distress like we're talking about today, then uh, there'll be a number of people for each money mentor that'll be uh, there'll be a real uh, uh, lively connection there. Mm, absolutely. And one of the things that's really important, I talked earlier about being able to, to facilitate kind of group sessions, um, is is that, you know, as a money mentor, you might be able to, 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 to walk through um, the, the program with, um, you know, a small group, so six, you know, 10 people at a time so that you're able to um, make a commitment to walking alongside a group of people all at the same time. And actually, there's something beautiful when you get a group together because they're all able to share experience and learn from one another and you become a facilitator of a conversation around um, money rather than kind of a one-to-one um, money mentor and both are equally as valid and sometimes um, you know one thing is right in one context and actually a group um, situation is, is better in another but um, yeah either way the need is great and therefore um, kind of the, the um the solution in church is training up money mentors is only as strong as the the people saying yes to I'm going to be a money mentor. And so that's what we're really encouraging people to consider. Is this a role that I could play? And it might be that someone thinks, you know what, I have got um, an hour every week, every so often to, to do this. And um, it might be that they wish to support one person each year. You know, it doesn't need to be, you know, a big commitment if, you know, I'm giving a whole day of, of my week every week. But then the other end of it is that actually it could be someone that's uh, maybe already employed in a pastoral care position that they are employed a few days and they would like to support you know more and more people and and you know kind of the training would equip them to to do that too so the aim is that hopefully this is flexible enough for a church or and and at a volunteer level to make it work for the time commitment that that you have available and of course there are some welfare structures in place and no doubt they'll be working overtime if things get really, really tough. Uh, so the sort of person though who's a money mentor, uh, because we're talking about more than dollars and cents here, we're talking about a wellness, a financial wellness. So just as we complete our conversation here, there's something wonderful in the church, and uh, we might even call it a superpower of the local church, to be able to help people mm. who are going through times of distress. And it's more than just mm. the dollars and cents because there is a spiritual well-being, there is a mm. financial well-being. This is what we're talking about, a holistic approach to how we support one another when hard times come. Mm, absolutely, and I couldn't have said it better myself, Neil. I, there is a financial hardship sector out there, predominantly government-funded, um, and they do an excellent job, and they are professionals at dealing with, with certain things. What we're talking about today is the church being the church and being a community, compassion, love and a support for people as they access those other professional services. Actually, those um, hardship and um, the hardship sector needs the church and needs the support because they are they now overwhelmed at this point. I don't meet anyone that works in um, even a government government kind of based agency that isn't feeling overwhelmed at the moment. And yet, the church we've talked about it on a number of times from your listeners today um, are strategically placed all over. I mean, even um, our listeners today can see 
the national spread of where the church is strategically placed, they're well placed to, to undertake this work that we're talking about. And it's a huge opportunity and really exciting to, to see the church, um, you know, the potential for them being activated in this space to bring real change and real support to people that are currently feeling alone. And um, I've spoken about this before, the real power of someone, um, you know, feeling I'm alone in this situation to feeling like I've got someone who I can talk to is um, a real um, transformation for people. Well, Rosie Kendall, you're ahead of the game. You're anticipating the challenge ahead and you want to include thousands upon thousands of churches in how they can be uh, money mentors, uh, people within church life looking after uh, those who are going through financial distress. There are some tough times ahead. Uh, Wonderful anticipation. Uh, Rosie Kendall, let me point people to how they can connect with you and uh, get on that path to becoming a money mentor and being a real support for people in their communities. It's capost.org. That's the website for CAP, which is Christians Against Poverty, C-A-P-A-U-S-T dot org. CAPOST.org. Rosie Kendall is CEO at Christians Against Poverty. Rosie, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heartbeat with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil, for having me. It's such an important topic. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.